It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Welcome to the latest episode of our new podcast, Go Atlanta, from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm the AJC's arts and entertainment editor, Shane Harrison. We're here every Thursday to introduce you to the most interesting people, places, and things to do in and around Atlanta. This is a podcast to get you ready for the weekend. I'm food, dining, and living editor, Lagaya Figueres, and I'm going to tell you where to take a road trip for chocolate this weekend. This is Rodney Ho, entertainment reporter at the AJC, and we'll tell you about farmers who want a wife. And we have a special guest this week, Mesa Salida, co-founder of the Atlanta Science Festival, will be joining us to talk about the annual celebration of all things science. If you're listening to this podcast on AJC.com, please take a moment to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. This is Go Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're back on Go Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. First off, I should say welcome back to LaGaia, who has been missing in action a little bit. We're glad to have you back. Hey, thanks. Yeah, I had to kind of like mm, arm wrestle Yvonne to get back my seat. (laughs) (laughs) Good to be back. Good to be back. Yeah, she's she's done a great job. I mean, she filled in for me one week, which was really nice because, you know, I I like to take a break every now and then. Yeah, every now and then other stuff is going to come up. So I'm glad to be back. Good to talk to you guys. Awesome. Well, uh, we're going to talk about some uh, really hot topics that are happening. And this one uh, was news to me when when you sent this to me that that Atlanta is in talks with the Michelin Guide to, uh, which, I mean, they don't do a lot of cities, do they? Well, they haven't done Atlanta. I mean, you know, they do do a fair amount. They actually now rate more than 30,000 restaurants on three continents, according to their website. But Atlanta doesn't have a Michelin star right right now. Um, Yeah, so I need to, you know, give credit where credit's due. This story uh, first was reported by the um, Atlanta Business Chronicle late last week. But yeah, so folks from the Atlanta Convention and Visitors Bureau have been chatting with the folks from Michelin Guide to see about, you know, Atlanta restaurants being featured in their guide. And right now there's not a timeline or anything like that. I think that, and he can't, this was with um, Andrew Wilson, who is the chief marketing officer for the Atlanta Convention and Visitors Bureau. And it's, so he couldn't share specifics, I guess. There's a non-disclosure agreement, but he says he's optimistic that the guide will eventually feature Atlanta restaurants. Right. So, you know, it's kind of interesting for folks who don't know the Michelin Guide is this, you know, 
rating system. It's been around for um, the guide itself has been around for more than like roughly I think 130 years or so, and initially started out as a way to push people to take car trips and. France. But and when you think about like, so the restaurants that are on there kind of thing, we have seen French restaurants as like the pinnacle, you know, right. of gastronomy. And so since then, as it's trickled down or whatever, to me, my question is, is that the same, the way that dining was so many years ago in the restaurants that are oh so esteemed? Is that the same way that we look at Dining today, I think dining has very much changed. Certainly. So, yeah. um, you know, I think the the big the excitement would be, oh, great, we have restaurants in Atlanta with Michelin stars. Does that mean that Atlanta's on the map? Does that validate us? I don't know if we need Michelin stars to validate mm. restaurants in the Atlanta restaurant scene. Right. But it is, you know, another feather in the cap that certainly might attract people, especially as an international city as we are. If you get people coming in from out of town and they're looking for, oh, where should I go eat? Oh, well, here's here's one rating system that I that I might rely on. Well, I think, I mean, it, it only makes sense with, especially with our airport, which is such an international hub. It, I, so many people fly through there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they some may not stop, but many do. Um, and, and of course, the convention business. Yeah, people yeah. come in here just for a few days, here yeah. in and out. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, and actually, I have the book at home. The um, Convention and Business Bureau has really kind of made a push lately to promote Atlanta restaurants. And in 2020, they put out this cookbook called Fearless Innovation, Atlanta's Food Story. It's We actually featured it um, as in our stock-up column uh, as an idea for it's a It's almost like a coffee table book, full-color, beautiful, that features a lot of different chefs from, um, you know, in the Atlanta area. I'm telling you, it's like an inch thick. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, but they're trying to just really get you know, these faces out and share all of this information about the richness and diversity of of our food scene here. So this is another, you know, avenue that they're looking to, to take. So we'll see, you know, what happens. But um, I, I will say, too, that Michelin, I mean, it's a little bit controversial in the sense of the restaurants that are on there can be very expensive, right? So a lot of us can't maybe afford to visit them. The other thing is it's sort of been mm, criticized for lack in diversity in terms of who is in it. And then the last thing is, can you sustain a star? What does it take to sustain those stars? And the pressure that those restaurants or owners or, you know, chefs would be under is actually fairly weighty. So, do you want to be the Michelin star? Yeah, that's true. It's like, yeah, I've read stories about people losing Michelin stars, and it's, you know, the horror of that. And Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I even think about there's chefs when um, every year when the James Beard Awards Mm -hmm. come out, like in the announcements or whatever, for some people at least— Oh, I, you know, to make that list or whatever. That's weighty if you put that on yourself of, yeah. I'm, you know, not that you're doing it for the award and the accolade. Um, but yeah, so that's the power of those kinds of culinary accolades is there's but, something to it. Yeah, but it's a selling point. And it, True. You know, it helps is a selling people point. Stay yeah. in business sometimes. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So. so anyway, we'll see where that takes us. Yeah. Well, Rodney wrote a story this week on uh, something that that popped up, a Gone with the Wind script, an early script. Uh, Most of those were destroyed 
the producer, I guess that was uh, David Oselznik, right? Correct. Uh, uh, had, he wanted them destroyed. He wanted them all destroyed. But, but uh, one of the, one of the, I think somebody, a casting director, kept one, and it somehow yeah. circulated in multiple places. And a historian, David Vincent Kimmel, who's a big Gone with the Wind expert, found it and bought it for fifteen thousand dollars from an online bookstore site. He found it, and he just finds it fascinating because it really kind of goes behind the scenes in terms of the debate among the various writers over how to depict slavery. Right, and even in the late '30s, there was controversy over sure. what you know what to put in and what to take out. Do you reference the Ku Klux Klan? Mm-hmm. Do you use certain racial slurs? All that came into play. So it was kind of interesting to see the you know that how the sausage was effectively being made. Right, and. Uh, you know, his conclusion ultimately was that, you know, if not for Selznick's choices to err on the side of white pacification, he could have altered the course of one of the most celebrated and disgraced movies ever made. And indeed, that movie still resonates after 85 years. Yeah. You know? I find it fascinating that, that you know, the earlier scripts, the depiction of, of slavery was supposedly a much harsher. harsher. Yes, it was. And yeah, that, that sort of got whitewashed, as it were, uh, to once it made its way to the screen. And it's amazing. I mean, the movie's still really long. Four hours. Yeah, and there were a lot of scenes cut. So clearly, if they had included everything in the script, it probably would have gone five hours. Right. <laughs> or just been a miniseries, but they didn't have those they, back in the day. Right. There was no television to right. run miniseries or a streaming service to run five parts, yeah. Gone with the Wind, you know. Yeah. So it was just a four-hour movie. And it's amazing how successful it was, given how long it was. But maybe people had longer attention spans back then. Yeah. In well, 1939. That's, that's probably true. I mean, you know, they probably felt more like they were getting their money's worth if they went to a theater and spent that money. Yeah, and, 15 you know, cents or whatever it was back in the yeah, day. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think it's, it's really fascinating that something that had sort of been hidden for a long time just, just surfaced after, God, how long? Um, you know, that's a, that's a long since 1939. Yeah, enough time has passed. Uh, pretty much every major actor has, has now passed. So, yeah. You know, Olivia yeah. de Havilland just died a couple of years ago and she yeah. was like over a hundred. Yeah. She was the last of the main, certainly the main cast at yes. least. <laughs> and people are still fascinated by Gone with the Wind. So. Yeah. There are a lot of tourists who still go to the Margaret Mitchell house and they're mm-hmm. often from overseas. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Margaret Mitchell house is currently closed, but... Uh, oh, what's uh, happening over there? They're, they're renovating. They're doing oh. some renovation. The, the Atlanta uh, History At least Center. nobody's tried to burn it down lately. So. No, no, no. It, it's, yeah, uh, they're, they're doing a lot of work uh, around that. Uh, I checked recently because uh, we were talking about it, and I called them, and they said, yeah, it's currently closed, and, and they don't know exactly when it's reopening, but I don't think it's going to be a long time, but they are doing some work on oh, that. Good to know. Yeah. Check out uh, Rodney's story online on the Georgia Entertainment Scene blog on the Gone with the Wind script that has surfaced. And another big story that happened this week, uh, Rodney was working on, it came to light that Tyler Perry and Byron Allen, who is, I believe... The uh, Weather Channel owner? yeah, Yeah, he owns the Weather Channel. And they're both making a bid for BET. Yeah, a big corporation used to be called Viacom, now called Paramount. They run Paramount Plus and Showtime, but they also have BET and BET Plus. They created this separate group called BET Media Group. It also includes VH1, just targeting a black audience. Uh, you know, BET has been around since 1980. It was started by Robert Johnson, ran a lot of music videos back in the day. Mm. 
you know, 106 in Park. It was, you know, and there was a lot of controversy over a lot of those videos. You know, right. a, a lot of people who wanted BET be, to be more high-minded with more news and information it never quite reached that level of, you know, it was there to make money. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I think I think they all are. Oh, of course, yeah, of but, course. Yeah, and remember Arts and A and E used to be Arts and Entertainment. Oh, yeah, yeah. TLC used to be the Learning Channel. Bravo, Bravo used to be a lot more highbrow. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's interesting, you know, right now it's BET plus the subscription streaming services where the value is probably going to come out now. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the cable networks are just you know, what's happening to them in this day and age is kind of questionable. But, you know, Tyler Perry already has a lot of his content on BET mm-hmm. and BET+. Plus, so this would be a nice way for him to leverage that and actually have control for the first time, full control over a distribution channel. He's never had that. Right. He just, he works with Netflix. He, he just signed a deal with Amazon for his, for some of his movies, but this will be a big feather in his cap. Yeah. And, I mean, it's so funny. You think of Tyler Perry as having, you know, fingers in everything he's got. There's so many things that he does, but that's one thing that, that he doesn't have. Not yet. And, yeah. and, you know, is it a good thing or a bad thing? I guess, we'll see if he can get it. I mean, Byron Allen, uh, you know, who, you know, again, owns the Weather Channel, but he also owns several cable networks, TV stations. You know, he's he's been around for, for quite a long time himself. Yeah, and, he used to be in front of the camera. Yeah, he was the host. I remember, yeah, I'm old enough to remember yep. Real People yep. with Sarah Purcell. Mm-hmm. It was an early reality TV show, super successful on NBC, and he was one of the hosts. And yep. he was a stand-up comic, too, mm-hmm. you know, discovered by, like, Jimmy J.J. Walker. Yeah. Kind of yeah. crazy, back when he was, like, 14 <laughs> years old. And he was the youngest comic to ever show up on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He was, like, 18 years old, and huh. he did a set. For Johnny Carson, so wow. he was a bit of a prodigy, yeah. and now he ended up. Now he's a businessman. Yeah, a very successful one. Yeah, so we'll see. You know, we'll see who ends up getting BET. Yeah, and we should probably say that they probably aren't the only two suitors. I would imagine. Yeah, there could be other groups that you know that might be interested, or they, in fact, maybe you know Tyler might need some help and might get other investors involved. Right. So we'll see. It's way early. Nothing could come of this. It's possible. You know. Well, that's great. And now we're going to talk about some of what's new. And as always, there are new places to eat. Oh, my gosh. There's always some dining information. I leave for a few weeks, come back, and it's like, what happened? (laughs) Yeah, but just since last week's podcast recording, um, I got um, some more information to share. So first off, uh, Moonlight Pizza its taking over the Little Five Pizza space in Little Five Points. Yeah, how long Um, has that been closed, Little Five Pizza? It's been... that, That just closed this year. Okay, but they were opened um, decades. Yeah, I mean, they were open forever. in 1987. Is 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 when they opened. So Moonlight Pizza is like this really rapidly growing um, business. They have um, a location in Southeast Atlanta near 285 on Greenbrier Parkway that just opened a couple months ago. They have one in let's see. Oh, they're opening one in Hapeville and on Old National Highway, and they're opening in other states and whatnot. Have you tasted their pizza yet? I haven't had their pizza yet, but I'll tell you. I think it's in interesting. It has so many vegan options. So the crust is gluten-free. So it's a New York style, but it's a gluten-free crust. And everything on the menu, not just their pizzas, but also their pastas, has a vegan equivalent. Hmm. And their focus is, their hours are 11 a.m. to 4 a.m. daily. So their focus is actually late night, which, I mean, for late night vegan, that's sort of... um, it's wow. going to be a kind of a, a I nice option. I guess hence the option. name Moonlight. Moonlight, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, they're taking over um, the Little Five Pizza space, and that'll, that'll open in a matter of weeks. Hmm. The other thing, how many food halls can we talk about? I feel like every, <laughs> every week. week. <laughs> every week, guys. The next one is Switchman Hall, and they're going to have 12 food stalls. It's coming to People's Town. 
in next year, 2024. Let's say the summer of 2024. And it's part of the Terminal South development that's um, near the Southside Beltline Trail and the final that that final stop of Marta's future bus rapid transit line in people's town that's that's you know planned mm. but anyway i get the intersection is ridge avenue and hank aaron drive yeah so it's going to be 12 food stalls plus at least one full service restaurant and also a bar concept and yeah that's just the latest information on the food halls but i mean we already have we have 10 other ones already. More are coming. Just next month is when Citizens Hall at, at Phipps Plaza is opening. So um, it's hard to keep track of the yeah. food halls. And we were just talking about Phipps Plaza having, you know, the, the renovations and, and they're, they're, they're opening something else. Yeah, the Citizens Market at Fitz Plaza, that's opening in April. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and, well, and then our other news, actually, that would be related to Phipps is that Grand Lux Cafe closed just a, a little bit ago. So it's like we just see this sort of... Yeah, <laughs> a churn. A of, churn. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that Grand Lux closed because they're owned by the Cheesecake Factory people. And Cheesecake also has the... Um, well, under the umbrella, right? They've got Flower Child, which has locations here. North Italia with locations here. Culinary Dropout, which is, has a location coming in here. So they're definitely still, their fingers are, you know, in the Atlanta market. Right. Um, but it's interesting that that one closed. And I was looking back to see, like, some of the other, you know, um, open, the cycle of the restaurant inside there, as opposed to just, you know, the um, what's coming to the food hall. But mm-hmm. The tavern closed in 2020, and that was a long time here. Right. In, I think like 30 years they yeah. were around. And then Genuine Pizza, that one lasted less than a year. That He closed in 2019. That was a, um, a chef from Miami, Michael Schwartz. And that's one of those cases, I think, where you had an out-of-town bigger-name chef come in, and it just – the concept did not fly. And yeah. So that one was closed. But, yeah, so, so, so Grand Lux closed. At Phipps. And then my last news is going to be changes happening over at the um, Paces and Vine space. So that in Vining. So Mm -hmm. I like that place. Have you ever, did you ever eat there? I don't think so. No. I liked it. Have you, Rodney? No, I have not. Okay. Well, um, that's by Tom Murphy. We all know Murphy's and Dave Green. He owns the Select in in Sandy Springs. Anyway, so they're getting rid of this. It's now going to become yet another hobnob. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And that it's going to open this summer. So I think that's going to be there. That'll be there number five, actually. And curiously, so Dave Green is going to be putting his efforts toward not just the select, but he has another project coming up. And it's a cabaret restaurant called Damsel. And it's going to open in the works development on the Upper West Side this fall. So everybody's got something going on. A cabaret. On. That's something we don't have a lot of. I, you're right. We don't. We yeah. don't. So that one, so we'll look for some more information on that. But that yeah. one's that one's slated for this fall. But the bigger news is that you know, so Paces and Vine is leaving, and it'll be replaced by uh, Hobnob. Awesome. All right. This is Go Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get six months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining, etc. Get all of our stories on AJC.com, access to our e-paper, and our assortment of newsletters. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts so you always know what's really going on. And we want to welcome our very special guest, Mesa Salida, who is with the Atlanta Science Festival. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're really excited about this. We were just talking about all the things that are happening and, and all the ones that we want to go to because there's so many uh, it's such a variety. I mean, there's arts. I mean, you, it's called the Science Festival. But there's there's a little arts. There's a little fashion. There's food. All sorts of things going on. Yeah, we've got 150 events over the course of two weeks. Wow. And uh, what we really try to do is connect science to things that everybody is interested in because not everyone is interested in science or they think they're not, but they're interested in fashion and we can tell you how science is connected to that or they're interested in food and we can tell you about how science is connected to that. So it's really all the things. Yeah, it really is cool. I, I love that, like you said, a lot of people think science, oh, that's kind of boring and dry and, uh, you know, but it really does relate to our everyday lives. We we all experience science in some way or other. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I, I think that that emotion that people would have when they would talk to me when I was, back in the day when I was a scientist, I'm not a practicing scientist anymore, um, they would say that over and over and how much they disliked it. And that just kind of killed me. And so I was prompted to start this festival uh, 10 years ago. Wow, so it's been going for 10 years. Yeah, it's that's, the 10th one. Awesome. How many different venues are participating? It's about 80 over the scope of the metro region. There's something in everybody's backyard. So uh, for, if people want to go, first of all, like let's just get into some of the nitty gritty stuff. Is some stuff free? Some stuff cost? you have to register? How do we yeah, get so involved? If, if you go to atlantasciencefestival.org, um, you can see the list of 150 events. And each of those events has some sort of registration or it's open. Like if you click on each one, you'll get to find out what the parameters are for each. And uh, three quarters of our events are free. We want to make science learning opportunities accessible to everybody. And so you can register, you can show up, uh, depends on the event and uh, have a great time. And if it's not free, it's just like really a nominal fee. Yeah, like five bucks, something yeah, like that. Yeah. A lot of them are sold out already, I'm I know, noticing. I that, know. <laughs> I mean, great for you, but bad for those of us who are last minute. It really, um, it shocks me every year. I, I told you that I was going to pepper you with some food and drink questions since that's sort of my area of focus with the with the paper. One of the ones that I really love that you're doing is the insect bingo scavenger hunt. Um because there is, um, we can we can also eat some insects. Apparently, yeah. Um, this is with an organization called Wonder Grubs, and they raise mealworms and other bugs and critters to turn into flour and to put in food. Because it's really a very sustainable way of eating. It doesn't sound very exciting to a lot of us, but you know, maybe. Uh, 
I don't know how many years ago, a couple decades ago in this country, sushi didn't sound all that exciting to us. And so hopefully by introducing things like this early on to kids, especially, they'll think of it as normal. And then we have a more sustainable way of eating. Yeah. And like learn big words like entomophagy. Yeah. Which is the practice of eating insects. Exactly. When I realized that you guys had this, I went back and looked at, in 2018, I did this story on eating insects conference at UGA. And the idea was, you know, to learn more and more about this really burgeoning industry. And like you say, it it is sustainable. In eating some of the insects, it was an eye-opening experience. And one of the things we all have to get past, I think, is culturally, it's just not something that's part of In this country, yeah. Right. But in a lot of other countries, it's just fine. Like, actually, you know, I was surprised to see, this was a couple of years ago, so I don't know if they still have it, but at the Brave Stadium, they, like, one of the snacks they sell is crickets. So, oh. yeah, I don't know. Mask it in chocolate. Yeah, exactly. Put anything in chocolate. It's great. (laughs) Right. And one of the things I noticed about the list of events, uh, there seemed to be a lot of things that focused on water. We have difficulties with water. There's, you know, there are fights over over access to water. There's, you know, contamination and all of that. I I found it really interesting that there seemed to be kind of a focus on, on water in the festival. You know, I would say that it's not necessarily intentional this year that that happened, but it's sort of a unifying thing. Yeah. We're all connected to water and rely on it. And so when we think about the ways that we can introduce science access to people and to Uh, the ways that people can feel connected. Certainly water is one of them. People have waterways around them. They drink water. Like, you know, it's, it's just kind of, it's ubiquitous. Yeah, it really is. So if you had to sort of give a shout out to a few of the events going on, what are some of the ones that you think are just really neat to well, I'm, put I'm on the radar? S- I'm so excited about our launch event, which is, um, it's called Destination Science. And the idea came about to me when we were sort of in, in lockdown and couldn't go anywhere. And I just kept thinking about all the places I wanted to go. And I realized that science can take you those places. And so we decided... As opposed to all of our other events, which have a very like hyper-local focus, we wanted to bring in people who go places with science. So science is not just about being in a laboratory, wearing a lab coat, and frankly, being a white man, an old white man in a lab coat in a laboratory. Um, it can be going out into the world, into amazing places, and doing amazing things. And so we brought these three women, or we're bringing these three women, um, on Friday, March 10th, uh, to the First Center. And uh, one studies sharks in Australia. One is a conservation scientist. She travels all over the world uh, looking at animals. Um, And then we have another one who goes to Antarctica and the Arctic and studies glaciers. And they're all going to be talking and showing amazing pictures of the places they've been. And I just, I love the idea of putting three women on stage. And I love the idea of just showcasing the awesomeness of where science can take you. How many of these events can you make personally? I mean, you can't go to all of them yourself. Yeah, um, I cannot. (laughs) The first year or two, I tried very hard to do that, uh, and then I went crazy. So we've got a team, uh, and so you we... pick and choose what you yeah want to yeah, see. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> I get first priority that way. Yeah, <laughs> first dibs. Yeah, Fair exactly. enough. Even if it's sold out, you can just stroll yeah, right in. I, I like make I make this little badge that is very official and means nothing, but I, <laughs> I walk in. I like the one that's the Piedmont Park Science Trivia on March 16th. That sounds like, and plus it's an it's adult. It's 21 and up, huh? Yeah. I guess that's for the alcoholic beverages. Yeah, so you get, I think, three three drinks with your entry fee. And it's it's like a trivia night, but it's just science trivia. So it's right. uh, nerdy and fun. For all the people who maybe think that they know their science, maybe it'll put them in their place, <laughs> yeah. too. <laughs> I just I love the fact that, that it, it really does make science fun. And, I mean, even those of us who 
are fascinated with some of the things like I was talking earlier. I love the tree identification thing. Oh my gosh, it's the best. It's it's really <laughs> cool um, because, you know, we see them all around us. I mean, Atlanta is a city in a forest and we have so many trees. And, you know, I can tell you what a pine tree looks like. I can tell you what the Japanese maples in my front yard look like. But there are so many others I have no idea. And it's just great that we're giving people a way to identify these trees. I know. And it's kind of an interesting time of year to do it because the trees don't really have leaves yet. Right. A lot of them have some flowers, but we're looking at the barks. And I will tell you, before I went to this event a few years ago, I didn't pay much attention to bark. And now I walk around and I say that mostly because the word is very fun to say, but some of the pine trees, many of the pine trees in Atlanta are loblolly pines. Right. And so I just walk around and shout out loblolly, loblolly. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. But you can tell from the bark. Yeah. 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 That's a great thing about it. Because I mean, there are ways to, it's probably easier sometimes with leaves, a certain types oh, of leaves. Yeah. hundred percent. It's still not, it's not easy when it's just bark, but it opens your eyes into something else that you don't pay attention to. Yeah. And I am fascinated with the intersection of arts and science, too, because there are a lot of events that have an arts focus as mm -hmm. well. And, you know, we think of them as, as sort of two separate things, but they're really not. Yeah. Uh, I, especially fascinated by the fashion one. It's like where fashion and science merge. It's... I like to think a little bit about how this idea of creativity really drives both science and art. We all automatically think about it when we're thinking about arts. But, you know, if you want to solve the unknown problems that like the, the problems that exist, like the frontiers of human knowledge, like to get there, you have to be creative. You have to come up with creative solutions and ways to think about things. And and scientists are doing that every single day. And it's really sort of a unifying feature of both the arts and the sciences. Yeah. Do you have a sense of how many people it attracts each year? Or this yeah, year? so it's that? a little bit tough because COVID sort of... Um, confused everything but uh we were having about sixty thousand people pre-covid and wow. i think we're we're working our way back up to that i'm sure you get a lot of suggestions and ideas people pitch you stuff how what percentage of them actually ultimately get a green light oh we're like most of them yeah <laughs> i would say i mean there's a reason we have 150 events because we can't say no to anything but there's, I remember years ago, there was some crazy idea about a jello piano. That one never came about, but uh, I, well, so I, can't tell you, I can't tell you much more. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are some crazy ideas. Uh, but also just, you know, like the fashion one you mentioned, mm -hmm. that was a brand new idea this year. That's just super fun looking at sustainability in fashion, looking at like wearable technology, all sorts of things that uh, there's a 3D printed dress that's going to walk the runway. So it's cool. cool. Yeah. Have awesome. you done Science of the Circus before? That looks like fun. We have. We, it's, this is a different iteration of it, so I'm kind of excited to see what they do. But, I mean, it's cool. You get to try out the circus moves, which is super fun. But then you also learn, like, the math behind juggling that, like, these jugglers have, have to know. Uh, and, like, there's rules about how, uh, how many balls you have and how high you have to throw it in order for the juggling to work that, like, just sort of come innate maybe. But there's, there's real math behind it, so it's kind of neat. That's awesome. So is, is there anything else that we should know about the Atlanta Science Festival? Well, 100% everybody should come to the Exploration Expo, which is on March 25th at Piedmont Park. It's a giant science party that you've been waiting for. 
Um, there's uh, all ages, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, from all three ages, to three hundred, right? So. Yeah, we see parents like shoving their kids out of the way to get to the to the things. Um, you can touch a brain. Delta comes with a jet engine. Um, we have a giant explosion of ping pong balls that is made by creating a huge cloud with liquid nitrogen and hot water, and it's super super fun and it's free and just like it's gonna be a lovely day because I'm stating that right now. So <laughs> yes. So that's that, and that would be the final day. Of that's the, the last day. Right? Yeah, March twenty fifth. Right. And so, no registration. Just show up and yeah. like have a good time. Great. So yeah, even if if some of the other events are sold out and you might not be able to get into them, everyone can go to this. So yes. that's terrific. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. And we should say that uh, the festival starts on March 10th. Is yep, that correct? Yep, March 10th to the 25th. Go to atlantasciencefestival.org and you can learn all about it. Awesome. So you don't get any sleep for two straight weeks. Yeah, basically. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, Mesa Salida. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, Rodney has given us some uh, info about some concerts that are coming to town. A whole bunch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, busy summer. Uh, Snoop Dogg's coming uh, to Lakewood in August. Those tickets go on sale. Uh, he's got Too Short and, um, let's see, Wiz Khalifa is joining him and mm-hmm. uh, Warren G of Regulate fame. And uh, if you want to see Lionel Richie again, he was just at ATL Live last November with Cheryl Crow and Billy Joel, but he's joining up with Earth, Wind, and Fire at I State like Farm. I feel you talk about Lionel Richie almost like every other podcast. <laughs> Why has he been coming up lately? Uh, you know, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, American Idol. Uh, yeah, busy man. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing wants- after such a long career, he's still so busy, you know? Yeah, no, he's, he's everywhere. Yep. And, uh, also, uh, we've got Mary J. Blige. She's doing her strength of a woman yeah. festival. Yeah. Uh, we just uh, found that out today. Yeah. Again, yeah. tickets again on sale this week. So if you want to spend a lot of money, yeah, there, there you go. Uh, yeah. she's going to be at state farm arena. And that's, that's just part of like, uh, a, like a four day of, festival. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's multiple concerts. There's mm-hmm. a comedy show with Mike Epps at the tabernacle. So it, it's a big deal. Yeah. You should look it up. Um, you know, she, she did her first one last year. It must've been a big success, but she's doing it again. Yeah. And bigger. And that's yeah. a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so four check, days. yeah, check out multiple uh, events. The yeah. Georgia Entertainment Scene blog for more info on that for sure. And uh, Ali Wong, I, I love Ali Wong's stand up, and she is going to be at the Tabernacle again doing two shows. She added a second show. Oh, okay. I think the first one pretty much sold out. Wow. Uh, so keep your eyes open for that. Yeah, and uh, I've been fascinated by this because uh, I keep seeing commercials for it when I'm watching other things. Farmer wants a wife. <laughs> yes, you said that at the lead. I'm thinking, what are you talking about? I don't know. This. It's yet a it's a dating concept that somehow has not made it stateside. Apparently, it's in like 32 countries, and they claim to have in those countries have generated 180 marriages and 410 kids. I, I can't confirm any of that information, <laughs> but that's kind of their braggadocio about how successful this is. They bring in four farmers. One of them is from Watkinsville, Georgia. Yeah. One's from Tennessee, one's from North Carolina, I think one's from Oklahoma. So four four farmers, and they bring in, each of them get eight women to join them, and they have to pick from those eight women, each of them. So that's right. 32 women. And Jennifer Nettles is the host. Right. And she, you know, I spoke with her. She's, you know, formerly from Atlanta, you know, was part of Sugarland. She now right. lives in New York City, believe it or not. Oh, really? I yeah. know. She's gone completely urban on us. Yeah, well, she does a lot of acting, so I guess that makes sense. Oh, yeah, now. she's going to be in the Exorcist movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I want to know exactly how the thing works. Like, do these people then go to the farmer's farm and I see if they can handle I think they travel to different places. Yeah, I, I think they, yeah, some of them are, some of them are city girls, some of them are not. Some of them actually have some connection to farms. So it's a mix of women. 
Um, and, and I'm not really clear, you know, I guess if a woman doesn't work with him, they, they dump them. I'm, I'm not really clear how it's going to ultimately play out, but they do bring them together to, uh, to do various activities like a rodeo and stuff like that to show off their farming expertise. You know, I'm sure there'll be a lasso competition. <laughs> right. You know, you can just imagine the types of things. You know, I, hopefully they don't send the women to a you know to, to wrestle pigs or anything. I, oh, I don't God. know, but oh. I'm not clear exactly <laughs> what they're going to have them ultimately do. But yeah. you know, there'll be a demolition derby apparently too. Oh wow! So it, it seemed it would be appropriate instead of a rose like on The Bachelor, they give them a, a chicken or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not clear. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to play out. Yeah, um, I, they did not give me a full episode to watch. I only saw little tiny clips. Yeah, well, they, I mean, you don't get a whole lot of info on the the, in the commercials promo. that they've been running. No, it's uh, unclear. Yeah, and, and, and when you look at the the women, they it looks like the women from like The Bachelor or something. Of course, they're all super attractive. What a shock! Yeah, well, I mean, but they look they all look you know like models and of and course they don't, they don't look like farm girls at all. No, Jennifer's trying to sell it that there's a lot of authenticity here, but okay, yeah. I mean she's selling a show. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't. It's yeah. Well, I guess we'll see uh, <laughs> exactly exactly how you know this. how close is it to The Bachelor? We'll find out. Yeah. It, it, it really does. I'm seem. highly skeptical of yeah. this. Also, I want it to maybe be called Farmer Wants a Husband. I know a lot of female farmers. Right. Well, <laughs> well, they they yeah. could try. They Come could try. On. Maybe there'll be a spinoff. Hey, like yeah. they did The Bachelorette. It feels very dated. Yeah. If I mean, if it's successful, I would be willing to bet there would be a... a Far, <laughs> Farmer Wants a Husband? Yeah, I'm sure that could be a spinoff. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and just one one quick thing. Uh, Act Your Age is coming up. Uh, this sounds really interesting. It's a, a TV show on Bounce. Yeah, it just um, debuted. It's yeah, they, they pitched it as like a, you know, a Golden Girls of, for the new era. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they brought in some veteran sitcom stars, uh, you know, Tisha Campbell from Martin. Yep. And they've got Kim Whitley and... Uh, Yvette Nicole Brown from Community. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it, it definitely fits that oeuvre. It's just a modern-day Golden Girls. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I I don't know. That one's intriguing to me. It sounds like it could be really Women fun. of a certain age, as they say, really women in right. their 50s. Ooh, so old. <laughs> so, so old. Right. Oh, Lord. Um, well, we're going to tell you about a few more events that you can check out. Um, one fun thing that's happening uh, right now, and you can still see it through September 17th, is Trolls Save the Humans. This is uh, at the Atlanta Botanical Garden, one of my favorite places in town. Uh, it's just their latest art installation. Uh, these huge wooden creatures that are made from scavenged wood and found objects and things like that. Uh, and it's it's really cool. And even without that, the Botanical Garden is a great place to go. So uh, go and check that out Uh they're at 1345 Piedmont Avenue and uh, most any day now through uh, fall, actually. So what have you got, Lagaya? Okay, so at the top of the show, I mentioned a road trip for chocolate. I'm going to head you north to Dahlonega for the Dahlonega Chocolate Crawl. It's going on this week through Sunday, March 12th. It's an annual thing. They started it in 2021. And they have events featuring chocolate shops and businesses throughout downtown. So you go to the Dahlonega Visitor Center, grab a passport, and then you can sample. You go out to the you know different shops and restaurants and whatnot, and you can try hot chocolate and chocolate in pies and fudge and cookies and that kind of thing. And incidentally, did you guys know that Dahlonega was just named by Southern Living as Georgia's best small town. Yeah, I did actually just see that. That's okay. awesome. So I don't have you been there? 
Oh yeah, I love Delonica. It's beautiful. It's Rodney? lovely. Yes, yeah, it I is. Have. It's really cute. So it's like this quaint, lots of artisans and stuff like that. Of course, there's the winery. So yep. I suggest that maybe come for the chocolate and that you stay for all the other stuff. And if you want information, go to Delonica.org. So D-A-H-L-O-N-E-G-A.org. It's the Delonica Chocolate Crawl. Awesome. And Rodney, what have you got for us? I decided to go back in time. The 139th annual St. Patrick's Day Parade is going to be in Midtown Atlanta from noon to 1.30 on Saturday. The weather looks like it's going to be delightful. Right. Uh, I think it starts on 15th Street, runs down to 5th Street. So you can line up there and, uh, you know, have some fun uh, with Irish dancers and floats and bagpipes. Yeah. Well, that's good. And, and that's, we should know that's, that's March 11th. So that's well before St. Patrick's Day actually happens. So, you know, don't make the mistake of going down on St. Patrick's Day. Right. It's, it's early, but it, you'll see a, you know, a couple thousand people participate. It's supposed yeah. to be a lot of fun. Have you gone to one before? I have not yet gone. So I've missed the previous 136, 138. <laughs> yeah. So maybe this Saturday. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Uh, coming up in this week's Go Guide, uh, we'll introduce you to composer and jazz drummer Tyshawn Sori, who will have the U.S. premiere of his new concerto performed by the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra. And he'll also be performing at the Big Ears Festival, which is coming up in Knoxville, Tennessee. That's a really cool festival. If you don't know about it, check that out. Uh, and in Sunday's Living and Art section, we'll take a look at the class warfare that plays out in many of this year's Oscar contenders. Uh, and we'll have a look at some of the black women filmmakers who are emerging in Georgia's booming film industry. And now it's time for our pet of the week. Lamona is just lovely. This pretty gal has a soft blonde coat with dark ears and muzzle and a cute white stripe down her face. She's a little shy at first, but warms up quickly as soon as she gets to know you. She's on the lower energy side and is easy to walk and will always take a tasty treat when you offer it. She's a great listener and is happy to relax by your side. Get to know this sweet and gentle soul by emailing Lifeline Animal Project at adoptions at decabanimalservices.com or reading more about her on her shelter page. You can also stop by the DeKalb County Animal Services today at 3280 Chambly Dunwoody Road in Chambly. And you'll find a link to her shelter page and a photo on the story page for this podcast at AJC.com. Thanks for listening to Go Atlanta. We release new episodes every Thursday morning to keep you in the loop of all the great things Atlanta has to offer, whether it involves planning an outing or just giving you something to talk about with friends and family. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks, as always, to Rodney Ho. Thank you so much, Shane. And to Lagaya. Tune in every week to learn big words like entomophagy. <laughs> and I'm Shane Harrison. We'll talk to you again next week for more ways to go Atlanta. Ocean breeze. Tropical beach. Pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on.
Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.